Welcome, my friends, to the Sage Cray Radio Hour, your home for free and critical thinking, and I'm your host, Mike Williams. Tonight, columnist Jack Hart returns to the show. Jack's recent article entitled MK Ultra: Cybernetic Mutation, Remote-Controlled Slaves, Dragon Soldiers, and a Zombie Empire Painted Blue was recently published on Veterans Today and will also be featured in Nexus Magazine. Painted Blue takes us deep inside the MK Ultra rabbit hole, uncovering the true purpose of the covert program, which contrary to popular opinion, was not only about mind control, but biological research and biological warfare. I highly recommend our listeners read Jack's article in conjunction to listening to the show. It will help to connect the dots. A link to Painted Blue is in the show notes below. Jack's research will be deemed by most to be controversial. However, as many of us know, we need to free think the esoteric because truth is indeed stranger than fiction. And with that, here's my conversation with Jack Hart. So Jack, welcome back to the show. Hey, Michael, how you been? I've been doing okay, and um, I know I've been awaiting your new article. I know it's. Uh, I know that you've been working on it for a very long time, and it made its uh, debut on Veterans Today, and it's entitled MK Ultra: Cybernetic Mutation, Remote Controlled Slaves, Dragon Soldiers, and a Zombie Empire Painted Blue. I read the entire article. In fact, I had to read it two or three times because there's a lot of content, and it depicts a very different picture of MK Ultra that MK Ultra was not solely a mind control type of program that the CIA was conducting but that it was about biological research and weapons if i read the article correctly there was an inspector general's report going back into 1963 that described MK I think Ultra it was 64 i'm not sure but i believe it goes to 64 okay maybe 63 i'm not sure but i would have to look look at it over again but uh first of all with mk ultra everybody they're always talking about it but nobody really knows anything about it they're, they're going by that one report which is all the church committee and the rockefeller the rockefeller had to go on later on there was uh, an answer to the Freedom of Information request. They managed to unearth some 8,000 pages, but they're all uh, financial uh, documentation and stuff. That's why supposedly they went to a different outlet because uh, they, they actually were burning these things. They, they got rid of all of it. I think when Colby was the director, he had all, all, all of this stuff destroyed. But th these documents were left over. And they got into those, but they don't tell you anything. What you're going by is what the CIA is telling you. And that's the reason I got into the Sims decision and stuff in the article uh, and the Freedom of Information Act, which was actually made, I mean, in 1947, it was made to cover their asses. They're only telling you what they want to tell you. And the only researcher that I see that really went beyond what they wanted him to say was this guy McCoy. And he's come under a lot of fire for it, but he's considered the premier expert. He said the same thing. That they're directing the attention to their most ludicrous programs. He thought it was had to do with torture, that they were really concentrating on torture. But that's not what they were concentrating on because I went I went really deep into this and uh what I came up with is uh this guy Olson was a bacteriologist. He was not involved in the L S D program. You're talking about Frank Olson? Yes, yes, I'm talking about Frank Olson. And they try to say the reason he jumped out the window, oh, by the way, on the 13th floor in front of Madison Square Garden, I mean, if that don't tell you uh, it's some kind of Masonic message, <laughs> I, 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 
I don't know what, you know, I, I give up. But they try to say that they dosed him with LSD and he jumped out the window. Right. This is now what happened. A lot of the researchers when they, uh, did go into it. Trace, his movements were going back and forth from a place called Camp King in Germany to uh, Porton Down in England, which may really be the heart of the monster. Uh, Fort Dietrich... Uh, Maybe subservient to Port and Downs, but he was going between the three. At Camp King was a guy named Blom, Kurt Blom. Now, Kurt Blom is probably the most important person in the story. He was a he was a brilliant scientist, a cancer researcher. For all intents and purposes, uh, you know, one of those people who was out to help humanity. Now, he was educated in the United States, partially. And when he went back to Germany, for some reason, he was very fixated on, on building them, a bacteriological warfare program. And this was against Hitler's wishes. Hitler never wanted bacteriological weapons or chemical weapons in the Third Reich. What happened is Himmler issued a decree that overruled Hitler, because Himmler did that sometimes. He said it was okay to use them. So under this decree by Himmler, he had, he had his plans to attack the Soviet Union with the bubonic plague, which he was using very effectively against them in limited, in limited actions. Now, the Japanese were using it. They were killing thousands and thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of Chinese with the bubonic plague. That should tell you that they were using some kind of vector besides fleas. Bullet went into researching bacteria. It wasn't really his field of expertise before the war, but he got deeply into it, and uh, he was using it very effectively on the Eastern Front. Uh, he was using the bubonic plague. Uh, I, I don't know what vector they were using. It could have been fleas. It could have been mosquitoes, uh, because his guy came over here. He went to a place out in Long Island where they were doing the biological warfare pro program, and uh, he brought with them uh, Lyme's disease. They were using mosquitoes as vectors. They Who was using mosquitoes? Was it Kurt Blom? No, it was Kurt Blom's second in command. I, I would have to look that up because it's not really in my article. I could write a book on what I left out of this thing. Yeah, but yeah. But, but, but just back up for a second, though, Jack. But So what we're saying here is, because I think a lot of people don't realize this, what you're saying is that biological warfare was alive and well and used in World War II. I really think that the Manhattan Project is nothing but a distraction after doing the research I did. I, I mean, the, re the real science was in the biological warfare program. You should just think about it. Now, a nuclear weapon creates destruction. The infrastructure where you drop it is destroyed for miles around. The land is uninhabitable. Everybody's dead. You've got radiation. It becomes unlivable. Now, exactly the opposite when you're talking about biological warfare. They insert things called suicide genes into these things, which at, at a set time, they, they actually consume themselves, and, and they're gone. Now, you can use that. You can wipe out everybody in, everybody in the country, and then you can walk into the country, and the infrastructure is still preserved for you. That's the reason for all the secrecy. After, I, I think that is the reason the CIA was really formed, was to do this research into this. Now, people have asked me why I named this Painted Blue. First of all, because I love the song, uh, Painted Black, but no. <laughs> I, I named it Painted Blue because... Blue is a tag that they put on the German technology that they put out. Put, they took out in World War II. Oh, okay. Okay. You can see it in the stuff. That, in the stuff they do name, like the have blue from the stealth technology. That was the first stealth plane they had. 
Project Bluebird was the name of this thing when it all started. Uh, then it turned to artichoke, which was more conditioning, a mind control conditioning thing. And then it turned to MK Ultra. But Blue, uh, Project Bluebird, there's nothing about it. There's nothing on it. Now, a little bit later, they come up with another thing with the UFOs, Project Blue Book. Right. Now we have Project Blue Beam, the Blue Planet Project. All this stuff has to do with aliens and, and technology that we're not supposed to have and things that are not supposed to exist. And it seems every time one of these things pop up, they stick a blue tag on it. And I believe that's for recognition for agents in the field as to what they're dealing with, you know. Without, you know, they don't have to come right out and say it. It's blue. You know, this is blue. That's why I named it Bluebird. Now, what, what was I answering now? I wanted to tell you about that blue, because I keep going into that with my editor where, where uh, this is being published in Nexus. Yeah, she's like, oh, why is it named Bluebird? Because I didn't get into the blue part yet, you know. <laughs> well, uh, let me just, uh, say, let me ask this question, Jack. So, a lot of people believe MK Ultra is just this mind control thing. But going right. back to what we were talking about earlier about that Inspector General's report back in 1964, that report described MK Ultra as materials capable of employment and clandestine operations to control human behavior. That included biological research and radiological we weapons which are completely missing from the Senate uh, from the Senate Senate hearings right. uh, that they say nothing about that. Uh, and you will see at the end of the uh, the Senate hearings, if you lo look at the uh, notes from them, what's up on the internet, which I ha I've used as a source to write the first part, they they mention that it's just completely left out. Nobody went into this. What they were doing is using uh, neutron radiation to mutate bacteria. I think that's going to link up eventually with what they were doing in the pyramids, which is how I began this whole thing, with the pyramids and with uh, the AEC, the Atomic Energy Commission, uh, running experiments in the pyramids that were never really fully fully explained. Uh, under uh, Dr. Alvarez, who was the top scientist, nuclear scientist we right. ever had, you know, for, for real, not made for TV ones like Einstein and stuff. Alvarez was the real thing. And he was the one running that project. And what they were doing in that pyramid, they say they were examining uh, the, they were examining it for hidden chambers with cosmic rays. But I, I have my doubts about that. Uh, they supposedly one of the uh, one of the uh, scientists that worked on it. Um, by the way, uh, almost all the scientists were all different fields. Uh, only one archaeologist among them. So, you know, if you're looking for hidden chambers, you would think these team of scientists would be all archaeologists. They weren't. This one guy, he was an Arab scientist, an Egyptian scientist, and he, he spilled the beans and he said that there's an intelligence in the pyramid that permeates the pyramid that defies all laws of physics. Alvarez had a fit when he said this, and uh, he, he, he accused the British newspaper that published it of making it all up, actually. You know, like you're lying, and that's all he had to say about it. What they were doing, from you know, we can we can now piece it together with their their uh, their council of nine and stuff. Is they had made contact with with, with uh, uh, an intelligence, a disembodied intelligence, and they were getting directions from this intelligence, which is exactly the way the Germans cultivated that their technology. Right. Uh, the Thule Society, right? With yeah. The Germans, yes. Right. Now, what this this intelligence had them do uh, is. I don't think it was very desirable for the human race, and, and uh, they should have stopped a long time ago, but they haven't. They haven't. And instead, they've accelerated the program. What you see now, I'll come into this in part two. 
Uh, didn't, no. didn't Alistair Crowley also in the pyramid? Al- Alistair Crowley is the beginning of this whole thing. Okay. I, I have to get into that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say it right here on the, on, the, on the radio. You know, I've talked to a few of these people. I've talked to West or, or communicated with West. Uh, you know, he wrote the first books. So. Where is he? He's located right right over there by Sulfur Island where Crowley performed the avalanche workings. Uh, that's no coincidence, you know. When I said that to him, he stopped uh, writing me. I've talked to a few of the others, too, that are very big in this. Uh, you know, I've also talked extensively with... Uh, and this was John Anthony West? Yes. Okay. With Dr. Colette Dow on, on the telephone. Okay. And, uh, she's the one who does all, all of uh, Dr. Schott's research. More, and she told me a lot of things. But unfortunately, I did sign uh, a non-disclosure form for that. But I can tell you this, it's not what, what people think it is. It's not, you know? Yeah. Uh, all this stuff about aliens. You mean it's not a pharaoh's tomb? <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, not about, uh, it's not about spacemen either. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so the pyramids are a lot more than maybe even folks that know that it's a lot more can even imagine. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So that that's where we begin with this whole thing. So, Jack, your article puts a lot of focus on Henry Puharich and Jose okay. Delgado. Who were these guys? All right. Puharich is probably the most important character in, in the story. We're going to get. I'll get back to him when I wrap it up. What he did, he wrote a paper. He was a kid. I mean, the army put him all through college, uh, the best colleges, uh, best, one of the best colleges, and he wrote a paper before he had even graduated. The paper was called the Near Theory of Nerve Conduction, and it, it said that neuron units radiate and receive waves of energy in the ultra-shortwave ultra bands that's below infrared and above the radar spectrum. What they're talking about is what's called the Passion series. Now, Passion was a German scientist. That lived, he was uh, he was around even before the turn of the 20th century. He was uh, did a lot of his work in the 1890s, where he discovered the Passion series, which is exactly what these ultra shortwave bands below the infrared spectrum. That's what the Passion series is. The Germans continued on from there. I mean, by 1900, they knew all about this. So we were 50 years behind them. And anyway, when he wrote this, theory, this paper, The Theory of Nerve Conduction, it turned science, American or, or, or American and English science, more or less on its ear. Now, Delgado, was, uh, he was, uh, he was a, a scientist, a European scientist. He was from Spain, and he, was, uh, he had a fellowship at Yale. He read this papers, and he became completely enamored with the idea. And he went into it big time. And five years later, he would start publishing, I, I guess after he had done the proper amount of study on it and everything else, he would start publishing papers on that. He ended up publishing something like 134 papers. Now, the only real book that's ever been written about M.K. Holcher, The Mind Manipulators, Delgado figures prominently as the lead technical scientist. He was... I, I would say he's more of a distraction than really the lead scientist because he, he did things like have a bull charge him in the center of a bullfighting ring in Spain and he, he would stand there with this stimulus, what he called a stimulus eva. He had implanted something in the bull's brain and he would calmly let the bull charge him and he'd press a button, the bull would stop at mid-charge and just walk around in circles like that. He didn't know what it was doing. Right. He wrote books. Check the title out on this one. 
physical control of the mind towards a psycho-civilized society. Uh, yeah, this guy wanted to make it turn everybody into a robot, and he thought this would be this would be a great idea. And he thought that he would reduce crime. I've read some of the stuff he writes, and he's really an appalling person. And this is Delgado. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. Yes, Doctor Delgado. But he was not the lead scientist. Boharich was the lead scientist. Uh, Boharich has walked from the shadows almost till the day he died. You can find him at the bottom of everything. Whenever you look deeply enough and turn enough, over enough rocks, Boharich will be on the bottom of the rock. He walked out on them, too. He walked out on them sometimes in the 80s. Uh, he had a, well, they burned down his mansion. He had a mansion that he was performing all these uh, these experiments on. You see it like uh, if you watch uh, Matrix, where the uh, the woman, the uh, the psychic, has all the kids in her living room and she's training them. He really had something like that. He was he he had uh, they had flown in kids from all over the world with psychic abilities. They called it the Turkey Farm, and these kids were trained, hypnotized. He was trying to get to the source of their powers. He had. All the technology, because I went into this in the, in the previous, uh, the, my previous publication before this one, uh, about how the CIA, it really or wasn't the CIA then, but the, they, uh, it was the intelligence services, really had made a split with, with uh, what I call the empire, which is, uh, you know, the Anglo-American empire. They had walked away. They had taken all their toys and they had went to a, a place called Glencove in Maine. And they had founded something called the Round Table Society. And they had all the technology they, they, had, they had, crazy stuff. I mean, uh, Huxley, who was, uh, Aldous Huxley was considered like the, maybe the most influential writer of the 20th century, was, uh, he was always there. And I included like a description from him of what they were doing there. They had done all this experimentation there. Suddenly his mansion just burned down. The other guy, his, 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 uh, his, uh, uh, more or less his, his literary publicist or his, the guy, the guy who was like his, the face for the whole thing, uh, he got accused of, mur of murdering his girlfriend. Well, he, he probably did. They found her dead in his closet and decayed in, in, in a trunk. She had disappeared after, uh, Einhorn was his name. She had disappeared after having a fight with him and they were looking for him for, looking for her for a year or so. They finally found her in the closet. The, supposedly the CIA and Paharis had blocked any police investigations up until then. You know what's interesting about this, though, is the is the fact that there is uh, these factions. So what you're describing, right, is, right, that that's exactly what's interesting about yeah. it, Michael. These people are not really like I, 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 a lot. A lot of stuff I read on the internet when I hear this good evil stuff and like like human beings can be the good or evil. That's such nonsense. I, we're all individuals. I, I, we are all duality. There's good and bad in all of us. Nobody's totally evil and nobody's totally good, you know? Uh, Jesus Christ never lived, okay? He, he's, he's a figment of, of people's imagination. <laughs> there is no good angelic being floating around. You know, people have a dark side and they have a light side. And, 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 and just, like, just like everyone else, these people struggle. They have internal struggles with, with each other and with themselves, too. This guy Paharish came clean with a lot of stuff later on in life. He made uh, he made some tapes, and one has recently been made available on the internet. I, I would advise anybody to, to, to listen to what this man is saying. The guy had 50-something patents, medical patents, before he died. Most of them had to do with hearing. Bell Lab had sent somebody over. He had, he had invented a new hearing aid, and uh, they tested the hearing aid with, with somebody who was essentially deaf, you know, 
and the guy was hearing perfectly fine. And the Bell Lab scientist said, said to him, Paris, this is, this is not science. This is magic. He had actually crossed the borderline, uh, and he was dealing with souls at, at one point. And he was using it to, uh, to transmit actual audio signals. So back up a second. So when you say he was utilizing souls, uh, what do you mean by that? What was he doing? He was utilizing what, what doesn't exist, what the Michelson morally experiment tells us doesn't exist. He was utilizing the ATO. Okay. All right. He was so utilizing he's... things that are not seen and not tangible, that take place, like I said, below the, the senses of man, what, what we're talking about with infrared, ultra shortwave bands, infrared, below the radar spectrum, stuff like that. So he was tapping into stuff that was similar to what Tesla was working with. Same thing, almost. Okay. Tesla is his hero. He was the heir of Tesla's scientific papers. As a matter of fact, uh, when uh, he had actually gotten some some of the papers back, I think it was for Tesla's son that was supposedly you know destroyed after Tesla. Uh, he, he had given some back, but he he had gotten all that documentation. That okay. documentation that disappeared, that when Tesla died, it all went to Paharch. Okay, and he's the next. Next, most people have never heard of him. That's that's a shame, you know, because he's the next step after Tulsa, because they didn't stop after Tulsa. They kept going. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, Tulsa was doing work, you know, it was real. Unlike uh, unlike the nonsense science that they have on TV with this guy Tyson and and, and the other idiot Morgan Freeman, who's a Hollywood actor. These sciences have done. Nothing for us. It amazes me that people swallow this. What, is, what have these scientists of sciences done for us? They've increased our work week to something like 60 hours. <laughs> uh, we have no time to enjoy ourselves anymore. I mean, people had it way better before the Roman Empire fell than we have it. As a matter of fact, the, Ro the Romans had toilets. You know, we didn't have them until a couple hundred years ago when the French <laughs> reinvented them. Uh, uh, what have these scientists, what has industrialization done for anybody? They have not improved anybody's life one iota. That, that's not a science. These are fairy tales they're telling people. They don't well, do anything. And I, I know you're heavily involved with, with like, this criticism of NASA with these rockets. Where are these rockets going? They're shooting rockets into space. Uh, this is a show. That's not what NASA is about. NASA was founded by the great-great-grandson of, of a master cableist named the Mario of Prague. And his, his partner was Jack Parsons, right. Alistair Crowley's best pupil and his representative in America because England would not let... Crowley was under house arrest for his last years of his life. Uh, Parsons did everything for Crowley in America. He wanted to come to America. He never could get here. They wouldn't let him out of England. These guys were not, not scientists, per se. They were, they were, they were magicians. They yeah. were magicians. NASA is not a scientific organization. It is a religious group. As a matter of fact, it's probably one of the highest levels of masonry you can go. They're in contact with disembodied entities. Well, it's definitely a Masonic organization. There's no doubt about it. They're above the Freemasons. They're above yeah. the they're, they're like the NSA. They're one of, one of the entities. There's like 20 or 30 entities that control this world. And that's what's one of them, you know? Yeah. But yeah. This, this crap they're feeding people, what has any of this done for us? People got to start asking, how does this improve my life? They, they sit there and they spent, what have they spent? A few trillion dollars already of our money. That's not their money, it's our money. We work for this money. What has it done for us? It's done nothing. Yeah, well, they're stealing our money and then they put on cartoons for us to watch, like 
somebody doing a backflip in a supposed international space station and nonsense like that. And people are enamored with that, Jack. It's just that people live in a cartoon world and they love living in the cartoon world. So what they give them, they, they give them cartoons to watch. And pe- most people are fat, dumb, and happy by watching cartoons. And in the meantime, like you said, they're off taking all the money they've stolen, <laughs> doing the thing I'm going to tell do. you in the meantime what's, what's happened, Michael. It's in part two. In the meantime, what's happened is they've infected 80% of the world with something called mycoba- mycobacterium tuberculosis. It's Latin right now. But given the right catalyst, which is that's what they call something that makes something react. It can turn into what's called galloping tuberculosis. It should be military tuberculosis, but they took the T out so it would confuse idiots, you know, but it's military tuberculosis, which which used to be galloping tuberculosis, which they now call Ebola. And these people, which happen to be all Asians and blacks from poor countries, will all bleed out through every orifice of their body and die horribly. That's why they're not worried about that Caucasians, I hate to use the word Caucasian, but Caucasians are not bleeding enough or they're being outbred by different races because they know they're going to kill these other races when the time comes. And they've got them. They've got 80% of them already infected with this stuff. And you've got about a day to live once once malaria uh, tuberculosis is activated and the death is horrible, as we all know from from what they've told us about Ebola, because that is malaria tuberculosis. A guy named Dr. Boxmeyer, uh, was on Nexus and, and VT, and he was he he started to postulate this thing. Well, we went a little further and we did the research. Uh, I think people will be shocked when they read part two. They're going to find out things about Marbury and, and, and the way they name things. They think they're funny sometimes. I swear to God, with the like like I said, with the blue stuff and, and calling something. Uh, um, Marbury, uh, wait till you find out, Marbury, wait till you find out where they got that from. That was the first release of this stuff, and it came from Camp King. It's tuberculosis. It's not a, a virus. I have my doubts that a virus even, even exist after studying this. Uh, most people don't understand. A virus is not considered a life form. Uh, it, has, it, has, it has genetic blueprints in it. But it's not an actual life form. Uh, it has no cell wall. But that's the way bacteria re- uh, reproduce and spread themselves. There's something called L-form bacteria. That is bacteria without a cell wall. All of this stuff was discovered after the Germans invented the electron microscope. After that, uh, a woman named uh, Ann Kleinman, I think it was, a uh, noble was her last name, but she fled Germany. She was Jewish. She fled Germany in like the early 30s uh, when the, when the uh, National Socialists took control. And uh, she got set up by the uh, American Association of Universities for Women. So I'll talk about them in a little while, the AAU. But, but in any case, she discovered L-form bacteria. She labeled it and showed how it exists, uh, you know, under the electron microscope. And after that, now we had the menagerie of what they could, the viruses, uh, the mycoplasma. Uh, that, that's when it all came out, after she, after she discovered L-form bacteria. And now they've been working on this stuff. If you go through the Internet, like in my research, I can find out all I want about stuff like Bacillus subtilis, uh, Sorasium arsescens, 
you won't find anything about tuberculosis. Oh, nobody was working on tuberculosis in these bacteriological programs. Right, right, right. All of that has been eliminated. And at Fort Detrick, they, I think they burned all the records from, from uh, 44 to like the, the mid-50s. They, they're very careful about covering their tracks. They burn everything. And what they don't burn when it's in somebody's head, they kill them. You want to verify that, you can just look at the, the, the death totals on microbiologists. I, I, I mean, they, they die very suddenly all the time, especially in Great Britain, where Port and Down is located, which I feel, I feel is really the heart of the monster. Well, that's what happened with Frank Olson, right? I mean, Frank Olson was a... Frank Olson, right. We got sidetracked. <laughs> that's okay. No, no. You talked about that's what happens to biologists. And many people who are looking into MK Ultra, they know the story. Well, they think they know the story about Frank Olson. But Olson, they kind of made him out to be this guy that was involved in LSD experimentation by the CIA. And then he jumped right. out of a 13-story window. Guy. He's one of the few good guys in the story. Uh, but he was much yeah. more than than just a guy that was. He know. had a strong moral compass. Yeah. Uh, he was the senior bacteriologist in the program. He was going back and forth, like I was saying, from Fort Detrick to Port and Downs to this Camp King and communicating with this guy Blown. And he was carrying dip diplomatic pouches too. I think Annie Jacobson writes about it in her her new book. Uh, it's on. I, I think it's on the New York Times bestseller list. But he was carrying. Uh, he, or she insinuates, but he was carrying pouches back and forth of these bacterias. Now they were testing it out on, on people who were captured by the German intelligence, the newly found German intelligence, which was really the old Nazis. What he saw over at Camp King, what they were doing. My impression is what he saw is probably something like you see in John Carpenter's The Thing, where the little strings come out, like Magellan's on steroids, yeah. where the little strings come out of the human and start grabbing at things. I think that's what they were doing to these guys. He went there and he'd seen all this and he participated in it. And, and before that, he had complained to the big-time British psychologist. Uh, and uh, this, this psychiatrist uh, happened to also be an MI6 operative. He went to his superiors, of course, and he said, this guy's a security risk. Yeah. But they couldn't really get rid of him at the time, so they continued on as is. So he goes to Germany, and who knows? God only knows what they were doing to these Soviets that they were capturing. But he had seen that. And then he came back to England, and he's like, I can't do this anymore. He went back to this, this psychologist. Well, let me just get his name. It's hard for me to remember all the names. So. Yeah, okay, take your time. Dr. Sargent. But in any case, uh, he went back to Sargent and he tells him, I, I can't do this anymore. I, 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 he wanted out. He wanted out of the McCall, He wanted out of the CIA and he wanted out of the MK Ultra program. And he was deeply disturbed. Even when he came back to America, his friends talked about it. All of a sudden, you know, they gave him LSD supposedly, uh, and uh, they, they, and he was still acting really funny when he came down. And they took him to see this guy Abramson. He worked for them. He worked out of. Uh, Aberdeen Proving Grounds. He was he was a, a pediatrician and an allergist, and the guy was having severe psychological. They took him to see this guy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah. But in any case, uh, two o'clock in the morning, the guy takes a fall out out that window, and, and he spots on the pavement below, thirteen floors. You know, it just the whole thing screams uh, a masonic uh, message. You know, yeah. to anybody else who wanted to get out of the program, this is how you leave. You know. Uh, right through the window. In any case, they've made him out to be now like uh, some kind of nut. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he was he was deeply disturbed by LSD. 
I have my doubts if they even dosed this guy with LSD, or they might have because they were getting rid of him. But uh, you know, why would you dose your senior bacteriologist with a with an hallucinogenic? They apparently threw him out the window because an autopsy was done, and uh, they found none of these stuff. The CIA buries him in a closed casket. Says he's all torn. His face was all torn up from jumping through the window. And they opened up the coffin. The guy didn't have a scratch on his face. Yeah. Uh, what he found was a contusion that he said was made with a hammer. And he, and he thought the same hammer was probably used to break the window. And actually, when the, the uh, when they ran up there, when the guy when the guy hit the pavement, I guess the hotel manager ran up there and said, "Hey, your friend's outside, dead." Uh, Lashbrook picked up the phone, dialed the number, and he says, "Olson's gone." This is this is the the testimonial witness of the, the manager. Olson is gone. Then he hangs up, and he goes in the bathroom, sits on the toilet, and puts his head in his hands. Then he attends the funeral. He never even tells it, uh, Olson's family that he was in the room they never, they never knew this until all this came out with, with the uh, later on his family had him exhumed right yes yes eric's Eric son had him exhumed he waited till the mother died then he had him exhumed i think it was in 94 then he had the body exhumed and the autopsy was done and and really uh <laughs> if it wasn't the cia there would have been indictments but there wasn't you know yeah you know it's interesting we are, as we're talking about frank olson in your article you mentioned that there were 33. There's another Masonic number for you. Thank you, Michael. Very good. Very good. <laughs> 33 appears over and over again throughout yeah. the Arab narrative. Yeah. It's like the number nine when they tell you the history of the Templars. It keeps coming up over yeah. and over again. Now, whether that's through the intervention of disembodied entities, and, and that's, the, you know, it's, it's, it's actually, uh, it seems almost, it couldn't possibly be through human manipulation. It's so perfect. I mean, Gottlieb goes and he, he at 33, that's when he joined the TSS. Uh, just goes on and on. 33 keeps coming up. And yeah. as you know, they love the number 33. They love 33. Yes. They love 11. They love 13. But in your article, it says that uh, there were 33 sub-projects under MKUltra, and there were 80 institutions, including 40 colleges and universities, pharmaceutical companies, and hospitals involved with the program. Now, when I read this, this was a pretty amazing revelation because it says that the program was very extensive and the coordination was extremely precise, right? Extremely precise is even an understatement. This was went to the highest echelons of of learning, so to say, which is the Association of American Universities, the AAU. It's some 60 colleges, the most elite colleges in America. It was started in 1900, the same time as, by the way, the only member, the, uh, the uh, Rockefeller's uh, uh, little college was started. The AAU included Yale, Harvard, uh, there's a bunch of them. Uh, there's the one in Pittsburgh where they did the Mich uh, Michelin Morley experiment, uh, so to say. In the by the way, uh, for people listening to this, that experiment took place in the basement. I I'd like to know if it's ever been replicated. That's what I'd like to know. Has it been replicated in the lab? Experiments in somebody's basement. Uh, they, <laughs> I, I don't think I can count those. You know. <laughs> Uh, you're talking about the Morley Michelson experiment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what I wanted to mention also, we're talking about all these institutions and these hospitals and these pharmaceutical companies being involved. George Merck was involved in establishing a biological weapons program for America. Right. Is that right? Right. The, the Germans and the Americans were in bed together up to, up to their necks. I, I don't even know why they had two wars. I really don't. Because they were working on this stuff. Uh, they were working on it at the turn of the century. Yeah. He was... Uh, 
for all intents and purposes, the guy's a German. I mean, uh, that the company that he came from this was probably the biggest chemical company in Germany. And he came over here to form the American wing of it on Wall Street. And he's the one who really set this whole thing in motion. Merck KGA&A. That's like the biggest chemical freaking company in, in Europe. You know, and, it, and it has been for the last hundred years. But he came over here and he went to school, I think it was at Harvard, and uh, he was heavily involved in the uh, biological weapons program. This was sometime in the early 40s. Uh, I don't think it was really operative until after the war. I think Blom added the missing ingredients, which was neutron radiation. Because uh, they mutate these things, they use, uh, they use UV lights, uh, so they're mutating the bacteria, Jack? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, bacteria mutates itself. It adjusts on the fly. Okay. But uh, it, the mutation rates can be accelerated by, by adding UV lights, and uh, and they were doing this even before uh, nuclear fission was invented. This bacteria has been around for a very long time. Uh, it's known as the blood of Christ because, uh, you know, whenever they had a little problem, the, uh, the priest would, would rip this stuff out. It grows on the host. It secretes prolifically. So blood would actually, or this blood-red substance, which is called protegesin, this is how it communicates, would actually drip off the hosts. And this is, this is where they came up with this, this, this crazy cannibalistic doctrine that was, uh, the Pope Innocent III tried to, uh, tried to institute it. And for 50 years, the Catholic Church, to their credit, fought it. They knew it was crazy. But after they started using this stuff, that's when you, they come in with the, this is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. There's a, some 30 different incidents or somewhere around that listed of where the host actually bled. And scientists have traced this back to Seresia Essence. And I, I, I know almost for, for certain that the church was very well aware of this. And they were growing it on the host. And when people sit at that rail and stick their tongue now, the priest was sticking the freaking mind control bacteria into their mouths. That's what was happening. This bacteria was used before that by Alexander the Great when he conquered Tyree, when his troops were demoralized. They broke this bread, and the bread supposedly bled, and they all ate it, and they thought it was a great omen, and they attacked, and the city finally fell. But Alexander the Great's mother was a Scythian, and the Scythians are the Ashkenazi. She was a, she was a sorceress, and it's my belief. I can't prove this, but it, you know, sometimes we have to jump to uh, jump conclusions if you think that uh, it came from there. The cableists have been playing with these bacteria for f at least a thousand years. The golem, which is what the Mariel of Prague created, is made from the clay on a riverbank, red clay, red clay, mind you, which is what. Uh, Moss essence is, and uh, it's an entity that supposedly knows certain secrets of the universe, which it can communicate to its its creator, and it will serve its creator. Now, this golem was stored up in uh, Aust Austria in the, the main synagogue. It was up in the attic. All kinds of educated people knew, knew this thing was up there. They seen it. Uh, the Germans knew it existed. The Germans were very interested in getting a hold of it. And around the turn of the 20th century, it just disappeared out of there. So, Jack, hold on a second. Are you, are you saying, though, that – let me make sure I understand this. Are you saying that these plagues like the Black Death or the, the bubonic plague uh, was – Well engineered, yes. Well engineered. engineered. These things can be engineered in the freaking brewery, Michael. 
because well, yeah, because if you go on, if you, I mean the the mainstream uh, explanation is that uh, it circulates among wild rodents. Right, this is ridiculous. Uh, most, you know, most, any honest doctor will tell you that that, that flea of a rat as the vector could have never, ever spread bubonic plague at the rate it was spread during the 14th century. It, it, it couldn't have happened 15th and 16th century. It was, uh, it was, uh, it's impossible. It's impossible. They were using some other kind of vector, which is where the Bacillus subtilis comes in. Well, I'll get into a little bit of the science here. Now, Ceresia marcescens is a gram-negative bacteria, okay? Gram-negative bacteria can't do what they call sporulation. Sporulation is where it kind of collapses on itself. It splits up inside the cell wall. Then one of the divisions eats the other one or consumes it, absorbs it. And then it hardens into a singular mass. Its biological functions slow down to 10 million times what they were. But it's carrying all the genetic uh, material it needs it's actually aware enough to know when it gets back into an environment, it reactivates itself. Now, gram-positive bacteria can sporulate. The world champion of sporulation is Bacillus subtilis. Now, that was, the, that was what the Americans were using. So this is all coming in, maybe I shouldn't say all of it, but a lot of this is coming in from Germany? Oh, yeah, just about all of it came in from Germany. I'll tell you, Michael, two and a half years ago when I started, I don't even know when I wrote the first Black Sun Rising. It's all been a blur. The Germans were so far, we we're freaking cavemen compared to their sciences. You can hand almost the whole industrial age to them. We, we, we have nothing without them. They invented everything, everything. They were so far ahead of us, it's pathetic. And, and that's because they never accepted the ether didn't exist. And they were working from that. The electron microscopes, nuclear fission, cell phone communication—all of it came from Germany, from Germans. Well, plus the um, the Germans were very much into the esoteric aspects of existence and mysticism. That's because there's there's no line between science and magic. Magic with a K. They're, they're, the, the only line is the artificial one yeah. created by. By, by Paige Shills, like Morgan Freeman, who's uh, like, I can't say he's a Hollywood actor enough times. And Tyson, I don't know what he is. Uh, that guy is dumber than a stone. I don't know what he's doing on TV. Uh, it goes back to what I said before, Jack. These are, these are, this is the veneer. These are characters that are put in front of the masses because it's a cartoon world. So right, right. that's all it is. And, you know, the reason well, Michael, why. Michael, the cartoon is going to kill us all. I know. Okay? Yep. They, they've rigged it up so they've inserted a suicide gene into the bulk of humanity. When they get tired of us useless eaters, and we are fucking useless, excuse my language, and we are useless eaters right now. We don't do anything anymore. Uh, we don't create anything. We don't produce anything. We sit around and we moan about our government not giving us enough. Uh, who needs us? They're going to decide to get rid of us one day. And that day is coming very soon. So, uh, it's, it's the, this cartoon, while you were watching the pretty little firework display that NASA was putting on, this is what they were really doing. Yeah. Okay? This is what they were really doing. And they've got the whole world just set up to do whatever they want. And now we can get into what these bacteria really do, which is splice DNA. That's what Seracia marcescens does. It releases an enzyme that actually can splice and consume... DNA and RNA. They use it now. There's two different kinds. Bacillus subtilis also releases this enzyme. One is uh, one is two, and the other one's one. 
The one that Bacillus Subtilis uh, releases is a little more advanced. Now, these enzymes are now being used to cure cancer. They can actually engineer T cells that will attack the cancer. They can cure cancer anytime they want, but yeah, oh, there's no doubt, right? Anytime they want, Michael. They have about ten different cures for it, you know. Uh, and Blom said, now, now Blom, we talk about Blom. He was a cancer research expert. Blom probably discovered the cure for cancer back in 1944, you know. And what do we have a million people? How many people die of that a year just in America? They can cure it anytime they want. Yeah, well, it's a big money-making scheme now with chemotherapy and right, uh, radiology right, right. and so on and so forth. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable. It really is. It's a whole economy is based on it. That's exactly. That's the problem with capitalism. We stop, we stop inventing things that are useful and instead invent things to make more money for ourselves. And we'll do anything to keep that commerce flowing. You know, well, the point of squashing people. other inventions that are better for the same purpose. That's why we're still driving the same automobile for the last hundred years. We're still blowing things up to create energy. Right. Well, because they make plenty of money off of that. Right. You know? right. They like it just as it is, and you're not going to get anything else. Well, that's the uh, that was the undoing of uh, Nikola Tesla, right? When J.P. Morgan pulled the plug on the funding because right. the whole. Um, the whole apparatus, the commerce apparatus that was in place at the time, Edison's uh, electricity and so on, uh, would have just caved, and that would have been that. So they couldn't have that because they were very wealthy, very affluent elites at the top of the pyramid. They're making a bundle of money should, off the slaves. We should call them parasites instead of elites. Well, right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, right. <laughs> Better description. But my point being is the reason why nothing's changing, and, and you're comment about the automobile is spot on. I mean, essentially, today's cars are using the same technology as the Model T Ford. Right, right. And and, and you know what, Michael? If we live enough, if the human race exists for another 100 years, there still will be, too, if we leave, it, if we leave things as is with our current political system. Yeah. Because yeah. right, now, right now, it's the sheikle that, 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 that rules the world. And, and the human race was not meant to live that way. Uh, you can really trace this whole thing back to that. I mean, these people, uh, all they're worried about is their, their own cut of the pie. People, altruists like Nikolai Telsa, like uh, the German scientist Schauberger, they, they get they get uh, they get plowed under, you know, and their inventions get stolen and they get used for nefarious purposes. Right. That technology wasn't squashed. It was it was just closeted. It was closeted, and you're not allowed to see it. You know, people aren't seeing UFOs uh, uh, because they're hallucinating, and, and there's no little green men that are coming to save the world either. But they are seeing something. Millions of people are seeing something every year. What they're seeing is the damn technology that they're using for themselves. Right. You know? They have they've had anti gravity technology for seventy years for Christ's sakes. Enough with the nonsense. You go back through my writings, you can trace where it was invented and and how it works. I don't understand why. Well, I do understand because I believe it's a technology. Why people do not wake the hell up? They don't wake up, Jack, because they really are programmed and they've been indoctrinated since the day they got out of the womb. And I had a conversation yesterday. With another guest, and we were talking about NASA, and we were talking about you know the the little sideshow they put on with their rockets and the moon landings and everything else, and the Look question. At the pretty fireworks. 
<laughs> it's like a six. Like the human race is a bunch of six-year-olds, you know. It and is. like you said one time, how come the rocket's going sideways every time I see it? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that thing looks like it's going to land in the ocean to me. I mean, call me stupid. <laughs> well, that's exactly where they're going. I know it is. Yeah. I know it is. And uh, so the question always comes comes up, like, well, why do they do this? Well, they do this because by putting on their little cartoon show they receive funding. Then they take that funding and then and they're plowing it into right. the stuff that you're talking about. That's don't forget the, the drug dealing. The drug dealing has gotten And drugs too. And, and, right. And weapons, right. I, I mean, what, what were these guys in the CIA doing? I, I, I mean, when you see someone, when, uh, when you see your fellow, I, I mean, a lot of cops wouldn't let, they, they're not going to let their fellow cops steal drugs. Why didn't other guys in the CIA step in and stop this? I don't understand this. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I really don't. I really don't. Uh, and it still can be stopped. They need to stop it. They need to stop with the goddamn drug dealing, because that's what we know. Afghanistan is only for one reason. That was to open up an opium pipeline. That's and right. And what have increased four times now since we've been in the four times what they were? You know? how many people are going to die? And, and and how how much how much destruction are they going to create before somebody oh. says somebody steps up? Because you know what? Yeah, oh, they'll kill you if you do. So what? So what? You're going anyway under that. That's plan. right. Nobody get like Jim Morrison said. Nobody gets out of here alive anyway. Right. You know. And, and, to, and from what I've learned, I, our, our lifespans are truncated. I, I think it's like it's probably the human lifespan is meant to be probably a thousand years. I mean, from the second we we reach our maturity and the height of our, our physical. Uh, we start deteriorating. Uh, that goes against the law of, laws of nature to me. Human babies, they can't even walk for the first couple of years of their lives. It, uh, that, that speaks to of a very, very long lifespan to me. Some woman named Lana Control wrote, wrote the greatest story never told. I recommended it the very first thing I ever read. She goes through the science, the medical science about you know the shortage of copper in the human bloodstream, and, and that, that medically you can make a very strong case that the human being should be living to be a, a close to a thousand years old. Well, I think you know, I think you're right. I think our our life spans are definitely truncated. I I will agree with that. I mean, I don't know you know how long is long, but I, I personally a lot longer than sixty, seventy, or eighty years. This bacteria controls us. Yeah, we are not. We are not number one on the food chain. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you because in your article you said um, that the uh, you depict these pathogens as taking over the body and the functioning of a host. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? Because I think that's yes, where I it's do. going, right? That's, that, that's exactly where it's going. Uh, that's that's where we get the zombie empire from. Yeah. Uh, we are going to. This is why Paharis walked away from. Him. That's why I recommended people listen to some of the tapes they left on the internet of his. He left the reservation. Yeah. In other words, he walked away from this work. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, uh. When you start messing with the free will of the human race, I mean, what sense is there to even exist anymore? Uh, are we all going to be automatons? Uh, why don't we just end it then? Because we're not really. Uh, this is. Not, it's not a life. And, and he was. He was one of. The, he, he said that. You know, that was enough. That was enough. When you start. When you start trying to to take away the free will of the human race, then uh, I can't. Uh, don't count me among your uh, your allies. And he walked away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He walked away and he patented, which I believe, I think it was Schauberger's patent in eighty three, eighty four, converting uh, water into a uh, 
into hydrogen, splitting the splitting the uh, the molecules, just making hydrogen molecules for energy. They got really mad at them. I hear you had a big fall out with the Rockefellers with that, and the uh, and the other ones are from Canada, and uh, you know for a while he was a wanted man. But I think the Germans picked him up, from what I understand. Well, he actually does say that, but he says he he didn't. Uh, he he says that the Germany is still very well alive and well, and he says where they are and that they're very interested in his work. And I think they were protecting him. Now, but Jack, when we talk about uh, that the the population is infected with these pathogens, I just want to say uh, one thing. I, I should say I want to preface what I'm going to say by saying that in your article you said that there were covert tests performed by the military to test the effect of um, these pathogens on an unknowing population going back 60 years ago or so, right? 70 even. 70, okay. And then a number that you um, had in the article I quoted here was that these tests were done 239 times in eight American cities as of 1966. And Nixon tried to put an end to it, and they didn't, they paid paid that man no attention, you know. Yeah. Uh, he said that he wanted on the club halted by sixty eight or sixty nine. So what were they doing? Were they spraying? Okay. First of all, it started after I I, I got sidetracked with with when they went over and that they had uh, Boehm operating out of Camp King. He had recommended to them they were using Bacillus subtilis. He had recommended they use Sarasium marcescens. Mm-hmm. They first sprayed it on, believe it or not, and you, you're the one who supplied me with the, with the link. Uh, that was uh, that link you had, that military link of yes. spraying San Francisco. Yep. And they were lamenting that they have a primitive, they want a better spray mechanism to affect more people. You know? uh, they infected some 800,000 people from, from San Francisco in 1950. It was called Operation Sea Spray. And they sprayed them all with Seracia Moss Essence. Eleven of them ended up almost dead in uh, Sanford University Hospital. Where else? I wonder how they got there. They actually uh, bragged about they infected 800,000 people. and uh, They considered this a very successful experiment. And from there they went on with, uh, I list them all. There's, there's too many different ones to list. They were spraying, uh, I, I mean, this is it's, it's like something out of a comic book. Yeah. They actually had a, a bus rig to spray it out of the gas tank. They're driving it around Washington, D.C., uh, New York City. They had some kind of hot rod Chevy. with. Uh, they filmed this all while they were doing it. And they rigged spray tanks up, driving it up and down the street, spraying people with these pathogens. After that, they're feeding it. They're feeding it with what they were calling fluorescent tracer particles. Now, what this really was was... Uh, that was their first, uh, so to say, heavy metals and stuff. And it also had a, a cancer-inducing agent in it. Let me just get it so... Uh, don't yeah, don't get, worry. Yeah. yeah, get this one right. Oh, zinc cadmium sulfide. They were calling it fluorescent tracer particles. But what, the, what they were doing is lacing the atmosphere with metals. Sarasia marcescens has all kinds of secretions that utilize metal. They actually have ones that go into your bloodstream and scavenge the iron right out of your blood cells. There's the other ones with the pseudomonas. They release something called the silphore, which is the, the, it's the strongest soluble iron scavenging agent known to man. And they scavenge it out of the soils. They were spraying this stuff. They were feeding it is what they were doing. This did not only take place in America. It took place in England. 
England was even worse. I think they had a hundred incidents in a few years where, where, where the MLD actually attacked British citizens, spraying millions of people, millions of people. Uh, they sprayed them first with the bacteria, then they sprayed them with the, the, with the fluorescent tracer particles, as if they were like planting a seed and then they were watering it, which is exactly what they were doing. This was food. They're saying they were using it as markers. I, I mean, it's just ridiculous, ridiculous statements they made. Markers for, uh, they were going to use anthrax. They, already, they, they had anthrax weaponized in, in, in the 1944. Uh, I think they had five million cattle cakes of anthrax ready to drop on Germany. Of course, they weren't going to do that because the Germans had the bubonic plague. And they, they had estimated they would wipe out half, 30% of Germany's uh, beef supply. Germany would have used the bubonic plague in retaliation and wiped out 30% of of our people, you know? Right. Uh, never mind the beef supply. So they never did it. They, they they ate their 5 million cattle cakes laced with anthrax. But anthrax is, 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 not, is not the weapon of choice. The weapon of choice that, that, that was actually the bubonic plague, which I believe has been the weapon of choice since for the last thousand years, or at least since the uh, 700. It's called horizontal gene transfer, and many of the ways in which they mutate it can be accomplished in a freaking brewery. You don't need high-tech stuff to do it, uh, and that's exactly what they were doing. That's what the, I, I think a lot of what you see in alchemical treaties and stuff is how to manipulate this bacteria. For instance, I had written that Jack Parsons, uh, when he blew himself up supposedly, uh, had made a homunculus, and that's how his lab blew up. A homunculus is a, a little creature that's grown in a test tube. He's a man. Well, it looks like a little gray, I guess. But anyway, uh, he knows all the secrets, or many of the secrets of the universe, just like a golem. Who did this? Jack Parsons? Yes. Okay. Yes. He, he made a homunculus, probably under the instructions of Aleister Crowley. Because that lamb, that's what that lamb thing is that he, he drew. But in any case... Uh, so he actually created a little creature? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know this. Okay. Yeah, famous journalist uh, had uh, pretty much proved the case for it that this is what he was doing in his lab when it blew up. But a homunculus is not created by the alchemist. A homunculus is grown from a germ. It's always there. The little creature is always there. You just grow it so it's big enough to talk and communicate with you. I think what they're talking about is, 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 is uh, in code, in alchemy, a lot of it has to do with the engineering of, of these bacteria, this bacteria. Jack, what about the uh, the 1918 flu pandemic, the Spanish flu? I mean, right. They dumped out all their vaccines with that. They, they wanted to use up those vaccines, and everybody who got that vaccines ended up getting that flow. Because I was reading uh, Wikipedia, right? So I'm, I'm going, I just pulled it up. Let me read it. And you tell me this sounds like just a big pile of and bullshit. It's Wikipedia is, probably is a big pile of bullshit, you know? It says the 1918 flu pandemic from January 1918 to December 1920 was an unusually uh, deadly influenza pandemic. The first of the two pandemics involved, I'll get a load of this, H1N1 influenza virus. So you know, here we go with trying to, in my view, correlate recent H1N1 pandemic fears and right. linking it back to the 1918 flu pandemic. In fact, they're not even calling it the Spanish flu anymore. They're calling it the 1918 flu pandemic. So they actually uh, changed the wording. And Morgan Freeman's going to do a special on it. It's, it's unbelievable. Now that I'm reading this, it's <laughs> unbelievable. And they're saying that 
500 million people across the world, including remote Pacific Islands and the Arctic, were people were infected, and it resulted in the deaths. The deaths of 50 to 100 million. I always I always try to figure out how it is they get a range of 50 to 100 million. That never made sense to me how they just really can't nail that down. Anyway, I I digressed there on you a little bit, but it just seems to be uh, as you're taking me through this. And then you got the fools watching the Discovery and the National Geographic channel and saying, "Oh yeah, wow, I learned something today." Huh? Oh my God, what a bunch of nonsense. Anyway, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to digress. That coincided with the creation of the uh, the Aberdeen Aberdeen proving grounds. <laughs> that virus, that's their calling it. As I said, I'm I, I'm not so sure outside of bacteria phases that viruses really exist. Maybe bacteriophages, bacteriophages is a virus that infects bacteria, by the way. So are they infecting people uh, through spraying and aerosols? Is that what they're doing? Yeah. Is, yeah. That, is that their primary well, way I, of... I, I produced a patch for, for, for the Deseret, uh, the Deseret Test Zone, which is where they were... That's where they were orchestrating the whole thing for like 10 years. Right, right. Between 62 and late 72. And it shows the earth encircled in a cloud of gas. I'm watching some guy on TV the other day talking like he's a scientist, talking about the, these vapor trails, uh, these, these contrails of vapor trails from planes. Are we ignoring the fact that this happened, okay? They sprayed us all with these things for 10 years, okay? They had a little patch that showed the earth being encircled in a cloud of this stuff. And then you got people talking about, no, they wouldn't do that. Why are these people even allowed on TV anymore? I don't understand. Well, going back to uh, you had mentioned that video that I had posted up on my my other uh, YouTube channel, and it was uh, a declassified Department of Defense uh, video going back to 1952. And the name of the declassified video was Naval Concepts of Chemical and Biological Warfare. And in that video, because I know you remember the video because you watched it, and I think you oh, it's sourced in my, it. it's, it's in my uh, in my post. It's it's one of the links. They clearly, yeah, they clearly. I I, I urge any everybody who reads that post, please, please look at that film too. And I'm going to put it in the show notes for this. It, uh, it needs to be it needs to be watched to actually be believed. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because Otherwise, you're going to think I'm exaggerating. Well, that's you exactly know? right. That's why I bring it up because people are going to think that you and I are out to lunch. When, yeah. if you watch that film, you're going to see back in 1952, they're spraying everybody, and they're explaining in this Department of Defense video that how aerosol spraying can uh, be an extreme benefit. And we, and we need, yeah, we need a bigger spray mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and they did. They later on they, they they took C-130s from the Air Force and they used those to spray the heartland of America over and over again. They were running nonstop flights over America, spraying it with the uh, fluorescent tracer particles, feeding their little pets. You know. Uh, so, so this, so what you, everything you're talking about now, it's going to lead into the right. It's culminating to this and. And, and I know you know you know the question that's coming, but we have this uh, covert aerosol chemtrail program in place. I mean, you can you can look at the sky at any I given day. It could be now that they have to spray, they have to keep spraying. And I, this is what I uh, this is my theory. I think if they stop, we're all bad. It's like they opened up Pandora's box. I think they're trying to contain it now. You know, 
once you once you go past a certain point, they can't, we can't go back. So we you're saying, back. okay, so you're saying that these the spraying could possibly be them having to do it in order to to keep the population from from dropping dead, dropping dead at, at a rate of of five billion out of seven billion. Yeah. Well, let me tell you a little story, and uh, just a real be real quick because you're the guest and I'm the host, and you're supposed to be talking, not me, but. Well, let me tell you about the story going back to uh, the 2012. I was out in San Francisco, and I was taking uh, a course, and I'm just going to let the course remain nameless. And uh, there was a gentleman that was taking the course with me, and there was uh, probably two dozen of us in the room. And he was an older guy. He was about 65 years old. And uh, I remember during the middle of the week, it was after the, uh, the class, and he'd come over to me, and he started talking to me. And then he says to me that... Uh, he was retired from the NSA. So I said, okay. And I found it interesting to begin with that he just fired up a conversation with me. So a little, little voice in my head is telling me that maybe he knows a little bit more about what I'm involved in than he's letting on, right? But, oh, I guarantee he did. <laughs> so, so anyway, he sits down next to me. He was very nice. So I started talking to him and I told him at the time, I wasn't doing the radio shows, but I had the blog going full steam ahead and I said, well, I have a couple of questions if you wouldn't mind answering them. And he said to me, well, I can answer what I can. So I asked him a couple of questions. And we got to the aerosol spray. We got to the, the chemtrails. And I said to him, so, okay, so there's a lot of people that don't believe that we're being sprayed. And Jack, I'm not kidding you. He started laughing. Michael, it's laughable. In light of what I've just put on the Internet, this is all documented. This isn't one of your standard Internet posts with no citations. I use only governments. I use practically only government sources, too. Yeah, this is all documented. What are you talking about? There's no spraying program. You know, what else are you going to tell me next? The Peter Pan flew into your room this morning. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a. These people are beyond stupid. That's why I keep saying they, it's got to be some kind of pathogen. It's got to be. Well, he he had said to me. I said to him, oh, "Why are they spraying? What's the purpose of the spraying?" And this is what he said. He didn't say to block the sun. He didn't say for military purposes with regard to ionizing the atmosphere for communications and stuff like that. I'm not saying that that is not one of the reasons why, but what he told me was that they are, quote unquote, checking dispersal rates. And then I said, checking dispersal rates for what? And then he said to me, for biological purposes. This is what he told me. And he also went a step further and he said to me that they are able to to affect certain populations based upon manipulating the DNA through these well, aerosols. That's what, these that's what these things do. They can program them to manipulate the DNA any way they want. And people think this is wild-ass science fiction and that, no, like I said before, not. that you and I are crazy. But you know what? I didn't know this guy. And Let me tell you something. Let me just say this. Watch John Carpenter's The Thing and watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Right. Right. Those were not just movies. Those were warnings, you know, for those who know. Yeah. Because that's exactly the way it works. And, and uh, I think a lot of the people running around, I once sat on the beach and I, uh, it was a few years ago. It was about 10, 15 years ago. And I watched a line of black helicopters flying over Fire Island. And uh, it was like, four, it was four of them. And they had some kind of thing sticking out the tip of the helicopter, like an antenna. They look like unicorn helicopters, black helicopters. And they were flying only 200 feet, 300 feet up over the, over a crowded beach. It was one of those, you know, 
hot July Sundays yeah. where yeah. the beach is packed, you know, you could smell suntan oil. And, and everybody's looking up, and, and the racket was so loud, they were flying so you could feel the wash from, from the rotor blades. And they just flew uh, slow as a helicopter can fly over this whole crowd. And I said to myself, they are examining these people for something. I, I think they're looking to see who is still human and who isn't anymore. Because I think they have actually created And uh, I've been in communication with uh, some people from Nexus and stuff like that. And that's, that's where they're going with all this. I, I, I said, they're checking these people. I, I, yeah. It was so obvious. It was so obvious. They are doing. They are checking these people for something. Well, it's even uh, Jack. Like you know, when you take a look around, uh, there's a new cell phone tower that goes up like every six and a half minutes, right? Yeah, and I I believe those are cell phone towers. They're not cell phone towers. I mean, when you think about it, how much improved is your cell phone reception from ten years ago? I'm going to tell you from my own experience, not a lot, if any. I mean, I have the same type of reception, maybe a little better. So something's going on. And the other thing is. You never actually see these things go up. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know when they you know, go up. I never thought of that, Michael. But you know, you don't see them going up, do you? You know, you just wake up one morning and it's up. So they're doing these things probably in the middle of the night sometime, and you know they're getting them up real fast. I take a look around, Jack, and these things are pervasive. They are all over the place. Uh huh. And it's uh, right, and it's not because they want you and I to have clear phone calls. That's a bunch of bullshit. No, I, they can control these, but these these bacteria uh, with microwaves. Right, I, frequencies. Yep. Frequencies. Yeah. Phil Ward got into the research on that, and uh, there's uh, there's a woman named Royal on Hill. Uh, Hill. There was a call, uh, They did a lot of research on this, and uh, it's my belief that that uh, that's what they're doing. Yeah. I really think that they opened up Pandora's box, and uh, they're probably trying to keep a lid on it uh, as much as they can. Uh, That's an interesting take, though. That's a very interesting take. Uh, I have to be honest with you. I haven't really heard that one before, that it's kind of like a oops. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's try to cover this up so the whole world don't die and people won't start asking questions. You know, this yeah. Because you know what? They're as guilty as sin. What really like gets me is I, I hear all this stuff about Hitler all the time. Of course, we have the nonsense you see on TV, making him out to be a madman. Uh, and now we have the new thing, which uh, I know a bunch of disinformationists are pushing. That Hitler was a, a, you know, he was a British agent, uh, a, you know, an operative. How come Hitler was the only guy? Only world leader at the time that had enough sense to say, this is, we can't do this, you know? He, he had actually banned this stuff in the Third Reich. Yeah. Now, they had to do it behind his back. Yeah. Uh, why, why did any other world leader do this? Uh-huh. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that uh, for anybody who wants to get some information on a revisionist view of the National Socialists, of Hitler, of Germany during World War II, that they should go listen to the interviews I did with Deanna Spingola. Yeah, she's good. I like her. Yeah, I, yeah. I love Deanna, and uh, she's well-researched, and those shows will give a perspective on on Germany during World War II. Germany was and, not the aggressor in either one of those wars. No, I mean, look, if you listen to, his, listen to his speeches, if you take the time to listen to his speeches, and more and more of his speeches now are making their way onto the Internet, onto YouTube, and listen to what Adolf Hitler is saying. If you listen and you listen with a an open mind, he was speaking for all of us too. He wasn't just speaking for the German people. He was speaking for the whole human race. Uh, yeah, and and I, and I know a lot of people are, are are going to be 
we're going to get hate mail and be oh, of course. Say of course, saying, on both but... sides too, because the neo Nazis they think Hitler was a traitor, and the, the Jews they think he was uh, the devil. You know? Yeah. And meanwhile, he was neither. He was neither. Well, read his book. Oh, that's all I could say. Re- re- read it. Yeah, Mein Kampf. Yep. yep. Mein Kampf. Right. Yeah, and what I tell people is, look, just remember that the world we have today is because we won the war, or we, I should say, that the Allies, we, so-called yeah, Allies, we, won the war. And this is this is you know seventy years later. We lost the war when the Allies won the war. You know, because yeah. really, one was uh, the people they call the Black Nobility. They won the war. Well, this has been uh, very interesting, Jack, and I'm I'm really glad that you came back on the show. Our listeners can get your articles and your information. Um... Hey, let me just do this, Michael. Yeah, go ahead. Let, let me give you this one. It's on the last part. I'll give, I'll give you, like, the kicker. Okay. Okay? I'll give you the kicker on the Sarasia Marcesson. The next one's going to create a furor. If it even gets published anywhere, it's going to get read. But I think Nexus, is, Nexus loves these. So what's right. coming up with the next uh, with the next okay, article? Listen to this now. The most commonly used sacred name of Yahweh in both Judaism and Christianity is I am that I am. In Hebrew, it's here Asha Ihi. Usually, just shortened to Ihi or I am. Ihi Asha Ihi literally translates as I will be what I will be. And that's perhaps a blood-led gelatinous mass when placed upon food. Because the original name of Serafia Moss Essence that we have managed to trace from reading an old Jewish uh, uh, manual from 1904 on this stuff, uh, it doesn't even say this in any of the Wikipedia or any of the popular entries. Uh, that's where I got this from. I sourced it on the last one. But... Serastia Marcessens was originally named by an Italian doctor, Vincenzo Set, and he gave it what the Jews said is a strange name of Zeo Galactica Aminotropa. It means I live. I live when I am placed upon food. Well, I am placed upon food. Mm. I live. Same thing almost. And the food would be what? Humans? No, no, this is about, it, it grows as a gelatinous red mass on breads and different uh, dairy products. Okay. But uh, it's almost the same as I am that I am. You know, yeah. And this is the stuff they've been using. And, and, and nobody knows why he named it this. There's a, they, they, when you go, to, go into the nomenclature of these things, they seem to have known more about them when they first started using them. Than, uh, they quickly took that name down. So it's in sources that are not mainstream. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Jewish Encyclopedia, unedited full text of the 1906 Jewish Encyclopedia. That's how I found that. And they've, pre- they, they've pretty much written it out of history. Yeah. So. There's a lot of information in the old Jewish encyclopedias that has amazingly disappeared. <laughs> yeah, 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 I yep. know, I know, I yeah. know. Very well, interesting. The Jews do a lot of things, but nobody's ever going to accuse them of being fools, you know? Yeah, right. That's exactly right. So, Jack, where can people read more about your articles? Where where can they go? Well, Nexus is publishing this one. Uh, it'll be in the next issue. Uh, at least part, uh, they're publishing it in two parts. It's long. It's, these articles are one is seven thousand seven hundred words, and the last one's uh, the next one's going to be about nine thousand words. Uh, they're in Veterans Today, and they're all over the internet already. People have taken them, copied them. And you have your blog. 
Right, on my blog where I'm answering comments or I was trying to answer them until they commented it. Uh, they won't even let me comment on my own blog. I believe we regained control of that situation. But, you know, I'm not out to, like, uh, hurt anybody or, or to, uh, I'm not a radical. You know, I, I, I don't see what good that does. Uh, so I, I don't know why anybody would want to shut me up, to tell you the truth. Uh, I'm only trying to help. Uh, let's put it that way. And yeah, we well. Don't take a good look at this. It's going to kill us all. I mean, maybe they think they can contain it, but I don't think they can contain yeah. it. And I keep telling them, you know, the more people that get read this, the better. Because you know what? So it's gonna it's gonna end up getting solved, and you know you can't put this on your radio. It's gonna end up getting solved by some kid in bumfuck China playing with a microscope, you know. And unless he gets the information, he's not gonna be able to solve it. Yes. Yeah. I, I want this to go out to everybody. And that's why I wrote it. I spent six months. I let me see. When's the last? It's been five months now. I've been working on this, and that's 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 what I want everybody to read this. Well, most people on. If they even try to read it, not going to get it. And you know, and uh, and most people are watching Dukes of Hazard reruns. You know, so well, you know what? When they stop bleeding out through every orifice of their bodies, they can call the Duke. They can call Daisy Duke. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and maybe they'll wake up. Why? Yeah, you know why their children just died in a day. It feels this like you're shoveling. Critical, critical situation. It doesn't get any more critical than this. Yeah. Like I said, 80% of the world is carrying this. Uh, and we didn't even get into the mycoplasma yet, which is, uh, these things uh, these things mutate the gene pool, too. Uh, we are creating a race of zombies. And all one needs to do is walk into the nearest Walmart and take a look around and see. You know? <laughs> well, the next time you come back on the show, we can pick up where we left off and we can talk about that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let me. The, the second one is like that's where I get into the sciences. And that concludes another Sage of Quay interview. And I hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as I did. Links to my guests' websites and social media are listed in the show notes below. And as always, I'd like to thank everyone for listening and visiting the blog. You can get to the blog by typing in sageofquayradio.blogspot.com or simply head over to our hub website at sageofquay.com. Also, if you get a moment, please visit laboroflovemusic.com to listen to my album, Leaving Dystopia. And remember, live in truth and always serve creation. It's really that simple. See everyone next week. Be safe, enjoy, and God bless.